0: Hi, you're listening to the Mad River Anthology. I'm Lorena Boswell, and this is my guest, Andrea Gibson. Today, we're going to be talking about power, passion, poetry, and activism. She is a self-described poet activist. She was the winner of the 2008 Women of the World Poetry Slam, has placed third in the world for the last three years by the IWPS, or the I- is that the International Women's Poetry Slam? No, that's the International World Poetry Slam sorry thank you (laughs) so she has placed third in the world for the last three years by the international world poetry slam wow that's awesome um (laughs) that means i also beat some boys
1: very very cool (laughs) and what does
0: diy stand for
1: Um, That's the Do-It-Yourself. It's like, I I, I hadn't even heard of it before, but you can go ahead and... So
0: um, Andrea won the Do-It-Yourself Poetry Book of the Year and was nominated for a Pushcart Prize for her first book, Pole Dancing with Two Gospel Hymns. She has been showcased on Free Speech TV, the documentary Slam Planet, NPR, Air America, and independent radio stations nationwide. She's now touring with her fourth full-length album, Yellow Bird, and she joins us now. Welcome to the studio, Andrea. Thank you so much for having me. It's a pleasure to have you. It's great to be here. Would you um, start by telling us a little bit about your background?
1: My writing background, or, or more than that? More
0: than that, kind of, I'm, I'm really curious about the lenses that you are creating from, like what voices are you representing?
1: Okay, well I grew up in a, a really tiny town in northern Maine um, called Callis Calus, Maine. I came from a working class family and then from there, I, I, I got a scholarship to play basketball, actually, which you'd, wow. you'd never guess by looking at me since I'm a shrimp. You must have been a point guard. <laughs> it was a, yes, I was. <laughs> it was the only reason I went to college was to play basketball. Actually, I had no idea um, what I was passionate about in this life besides, um, you know, throwing uh-huh. balls and hoops. Where'd you go? Um, I went to a tiny Catholic college in Maine, and uh, which was interesting, ca- a Catholic college, but even until after I graduated, I spent a year in Portland, Maine. And then I decided to travel around the country with a friend of mine and um, and ended up moving to New Orleans. And in New Orleans, my world started kind of opening up a little bit there. And I started thinking, you know, about things that I had never thought about before. And I think that there was something about just even coming out as queer um in you know when I was 20 that kind of opened my eyes politically in a way that maybe had I had I had I had I been straight um I I don't know if I would have been opened up in those ways because I was I was very Christian um and I was really conservative actually I was raised in a really conservative republican family but I think that that kind of opened the door for me questioning a lot of things and so yeah I just started questioning and and then I I was drinking a lot of beer. I wanted to not drink beer at ten o'clock in the morning. So I left New Orleans (laughs) (laughs) and I, (laughs) and I moved to Boulder, Colorado. And um, I've, I've been living there ever since, but I don't, you know, I tour so much. I've been touring um constantly since about two thousand five. So it's just kind of a home base, but I'm, I'm on the road more often than I'm home these days.
0: So uh, another thing that you've mentioned on your website is Vox Feminista. Yeah. Can you talk about that a little?
1: Vox Feminista is this uh, radical performance tribe of political women. Actually, uh, we say women, but we've actually, in the last couple of years, um, there have been some people coming into the group that are more, um, I guess, gender variant. And I think that we're opening up on, they've been around for about 20 years, um, a group of political activists that just do performance theater and everything we we do video but the show has been happening for about 20 years and so this is you know in the last couple of years um there have been some trans folks in the group and and gender queer people so I can't actually say um just women anymore Uh but but they've basically I've been working with them since 2000 and they've kind of been my political education a lot of the women in the group are a lot older than me some are in their 60s and and I've just, you know, uh, learned so much from them. Um, I didn't know much when I got into the group, except maybe, you know, I I should maybe not wear Nikes, and maybe killing cows was, you know, not always no, super awesome. cool. <laughs> but that was basically uh, basically the extent of my politics at that point. And that,
0: I mean, uh, so yeah. Yeah, I, I'm just I'm just thinking about how that's quite a journey from rural Maine to conservative Christian small Mm. town to radical feminist activism. You know, it has
1: been quite a journey. And um, today, you know, I was walking through the forest here and it's just stunning. And I was just thinking about how uh, big everything is. I feel like I'm standing on a shore right now and I got the whole ocean in front of me and and I have no idea where I'm going from here. And I just can look at the last nine years and um, see how much has changed just, uh, you know, within my heart and my life and, and, how much I've learned, and I just can't imagine what it's going to be like 10 years from now, you know, and I'm really curious about where, where the path is going to take me. How exciting to be on that journey. Yeah, yeah, it's pretty exciting. I mean, it's kind of like the dream job, you know, it's, it's so much the dream job um, for myself that it wasn't even something that I listed ever as something that I wanted to be when I grew up, because I just, I had no idea that it was possible. I didn't I didn't think that somebody could grow up and be a poet. I thought that was kind of ridiculous.
0: Right. And so amazing that you're you're making a living doing it. Yeah, it's yeah. it's I feel uh I feel really grateful. Yeah. So which one would be good to start us off in um kind of you know give what? a sense of who you are for <coughs> the listeners who don't know anything about you?
1: Hmm. You know, whenever I have to read one poem somewhere, I usually read um, For Eli, which is a poem about returning soldiers, um, just because it's the, it's the one that resonates most in my heart. Eli came back from Iraq and tattooed a teddy bear onto the inside of his wrist. Above that, a medic with an IV bag. Above that, an angel. But Eli says the teddy bear won't live. And I know I don't know, but I say I know. Because Eli's only 24, and I've never seen eyes further away from childhood than his. Eyes old with the wisdom he knows I'd rather not have. Eli's mother traces a teddy bear under the inside of my arm and says, not all casualties come home in body bags. And I swear, I'd spend the rest of my life writing nothing but the word light at the end of this tunnel. If I could find the tunnel, I'd write nothing but white flags. Somebody pray for the soldiers. Somebody pray for what's lost. Somebody pray for the mailbox that holds the official letters to the fathers, mothers, sisters, and little brothers of Michael 19. Stephen 21. John 33. How ironic that their deaths sound like Bible verses. The hearses parked in the halls of the high school recruiting black, brown, and poor while anti-war activists outside Walter Reed Army Hospital scream 100,000 slain as an amputee on the third floor breathes forget-me-nots under the window pane. But how can we forget what we never knew? Our sky is so perfectly blue, it's repulsive. Somebody tell me where God lives, because if God is truth, God doesn't live here. Our lives have seared the sun too hot to live by. There are ghosts of kids who are still alive, touting M-16s with trembling hands where we dream ourselves stars and survivor. Another missile sets fire to the face in the locket of the mother whose son needed money for college, and she swears she can feel his photograph burn. How many wars will it take us to learn that only the dead return? The rest remain forever caught between worlds of shrapnel shot his body of three-year-old girl to welcome to McDonald's. Can I take your order? The mortar of sanity crumbling, stumbling back home to a home that will never be home again. Eli doesn't know if he can ever write a poem again. One-third of the homeless men in this country are veterans and we have the nerve to support our troops with pretty yellow ribbons while giving nothing but dirty looks to their outstretched hands. Tell me what land of the free sets free 18 year old kids into greedy war zones hones them like missiles and returns their bones in the middle of the night so no one can see each death swept beneath the carpet and hidden like dirt each life a promise we never kept Jeff Lucy came back from Iraq and hung himself in his parents' basement with a garden hose the night before he died he spent 45 minutes on his father's lap rocking like a baby rocking like daddy save me and don't think for a minute he too isn't collateral damage in the mansions of Washington they are watching them burn and hoarding the water. No, senators' sons are being sent out to slaughter. No, senators' daughters are licking ashes from their lips or dreaming up ropes to wrap around their necks in case they ever make it home alive. Our eyes are closed, America. There are souls in the boots of the soldiers, America. Forget your yellow ribbon. You want to support our troops? Bring them home and hold them tight when they get here.
0: Thank you. You're welcome. So powerful. Thank you. Um, How did you develop your voice to to have that much power and passion and energy? Hmm.
1: Power and passion and energy. Well, the energy is easy. Um, I think that I was kind of born with that. And uh, the passion, um, maybe because I get pissed off really easily, uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm still I'm still working on the power thing. Um, loud doesn't always always equate power, but um, there you know, I think that our voices are powerful always, and uh, I think especially in this culture um, where the truth is often pushed down and hidden, I think that speaking the truth uh, speaking the truth is just generally a a revolutionary thing to do and the thing that could, you know, shift a lot.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Just, just in speaking the truth itself is powerful. Right. Right. And, and, and brings that power out, I think.
1: Yeah. I think, I think that the power in it is just, um, what people who, who hear it do with it afterwards, Mm -hmm. you know, and, um, because I think that we're, we're all inclined towards um, doing a lot of good and, and, and being, uh, you know, Powerful. As soon as we we have a sense of what's actually going on, and I think that there, you know, there's just there's so many lies in in our culture, in the media, and and
0: and everywhere else telling us what's important. You were talking a little bit about this, but could you can you elaborate a little bit more about how poetry can be a tool for activism? Poetry. Well, you
1: know what? I think art is a tool. Just generally, art is a tool for activism because it's it's about you know I actually have a poem about this and I hate to be one of those people quoting myself and I'm so I'm I'm not going <laughs> to do that. I think we're going to actually play the poem later. But um the line is it, it you know in a in a world so full of destruction, I think creation, like creating anything is is really radical to be creating, you know, new things and I think that's so necessary because I feel like we're being pushed down and even the way that our school systems are set up this day these days like art classes, music class those are the classes that are being dropped, you know, because they're not going to, they're not, well, supposedly they're not going to help with the test scores any. So I I just think that it's so necessary and it keeps our spirits alive, you know, it keeps our souls alive. And, and, and I think that the suffocating of that, like the, the dumbing down and the dulling out is, is what, you know, it keeps the, keeps the corporate machine, you know, thriving. And, and I think as long as our spirits are
0: awake, then, um, will be moving forward yeah I love that line in the poem that you talked about um about the it dis- dis- counters the destruction to be to have creation is the only thing louder than destruction so will you um share another poem that's louder than destruction for us <laughs>
1: Sure, yeah, I will. Let's see. I'm gonna go I'm gonna read something uh, totally off the subject, uh, just because we're in California and whenever I'm in California I feel attached to reading this poem. Um okay. since since Prop eight went down. Is this I do? This is I do. And let me give you a little uh, a background on this. Um, when I was a kid, um, I would run around my house singing the blue moon song, which went baba ba da ba dang dang ding blue moon, blue 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 moon and and I would run around the house singing the song, and I would drive my mother crazy. Uh-huh. And um, and I always had it in my head that someday I was I was going to do something big with that song. <laughs> 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 and so that's that's how the beginning of this poem. <laughs> came and about. so
0: here you here you yeah. are doing something really doing, big. Doing something
1: really big. Yeah, with yeah. definitely. <laughs> okay da ba ah baba baba da baba 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 dang a dang dang ding a dong ding I do I do I do dip de dip de dip do I do I do dip da dip da dip ba like that, de baba da baba da baba da baba da baba dang a dang dang ding a ding a dong ding I do, but the fuckers say we can't cuz you're a girl and I'm a girl or at least something close to the most we can hope for is an unsolved union in Vermont I want church bells I want rosary beads I want Jesus on his knees I want to walk down the aisle and then the patriarchy smile that's not true but I do want to spend my life with you and I want to know 50 years from now when you're in a hospital room getting ready to die when visiting hours of a family members only I want to know they let me in to say goodbye Cause I've been 50 years memorizing the way the lines beneath your eyes form rivers when you cry and have held my hand like an ocher at your cheek saying, baby, flow to me. Cause 50 years I've watched you grow with me. 50 years of you never letting go of me through nightmares and dreams and everything in between. From the day I said, buy me a ring. Buy me a ring that will turn my finger green so I can imagine our love is a forest. I want to get lost in you. And I swear I grew like a wildflower every hour of the 50 years I was with you. And that's not to say We didn't have bad days. Like the day you said, that checkout clerk was so sweet. And I said, I'd like to eat that checkout clerk. And you said, honey, that's not funny. And I said, baby, maybe you could take a fucking joke every now and then. So I slept on the couch that night. But when morning came, you were laughing. Yeah, there were times we were both half in and half out the door, but I never needed more than the stars on your skin to lead me home for 50 years. You were my favorite poem. And I'd read you every night, knowing I might never understand every word, but that was okay. Because the lines of you were the closest thing to holy I had ever heard. You'd say, this kind of love has to be a verb. We are paint on a slick canvas. It's going to take a whole lot to stick, but if we do, we'll be a masterpiece. And we were. From the beginning, living in towns that frowned at our hand-holding, folding their stairs like hate notes into our pockets to pretend they weren't there. You said fear is only a verb if you let it be. Don't you dare let go of my hand. That was my favorite line. That in the time when we saw two boys kissing on the street in Kansas. And we both broke down crying because it was Kansas. And you said, what are the chances of seeing anything but corn in Kansas? Mm -hmm. We were born again that day. I cut your cord and you cut mine, and the chords of time played like a concerto of hope, like we could feel the rope unwind, the noose of hate loosening, loosening from years of people like you aren't welcome here, people like you cannot work here, people like you cannot adopt. So we had lots of cats and dogs, and once even a couple of monkeys. You taught to sing, hey, hey, we're the monkeys. You were crazy like that and I was so crazy about you and nights you couldn't sleep i lay awake for hours counting sheep for you and you would rewrite the rhythm of my heartbeat with the way you held me in the morning resting your head on my chest I swear my breath turned silver the day your hair did like I swore, marigolds grew in the folds of my eyelids the first time I saw you, and they bloomed. The first time I watched you dance to the tune of our kitchen kettle in our living room. In a world that could have left us hard as metal, we were soft as nostalgia together. For 50 years, we feathered wings too wide to be prey, and we flew through days strong and days as fragile as sandcastles at high tide. You would fold your love into an origami firefly and throw it through my passageways till all my hidden chambers were lit with lanterns. Now, every trap door of every be pore, my heart is open because of you, because of us. So I do, I do, I do. Want to be in that room with you. When visiting hours for family members only, I want to know they'll let me in. I want to know they'll let me hold you while I sing. Baba da 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 dong ding. I'm so in love with you. Baby, I'm so in love with you. Dip 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 ba da ba ba da ba da baba dang a dang dang a dingy dong
0: ding. Good bye. Hmm. Thank you so much. You're welcome. <laughs> it's just so moving for me to listen to that. You know, um several years several years back
1: I read that in Boulder, Colorado, and a woman came up to me after the show and told me that several years prior to that um she had been living in kansas actually and her partner her partner was rushed rushed to the emergency room one night Mm -hmm. and um and she went she went with her but she was in the waiting room they wouldn't let her into the room where she was being worked on because she wasn't family and um her partner ended up dying that night and she was really the the whole night she was trying to get into the to the room to be with her and they wouldn't let her in and um and so she passed away and she told me that she wakes up every day of her life not knowing if her partner knew how hard she was trying to get into the room to be with her and uh, it's interesting because I didn't write that as a a gay marriage or a queer marriage whatever you want to call it these days but um, I didn't write that I wrote that as a love poem and it's kind of been titled my gay marriage poem but I think that I've gotten some slack uh, on even addressing that as an issue uh, with everything else happening Um, you know with a the basically the 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 planet dying random. Right. Um, but I feel like it's all connected. I feel like human rights are human rights and it, it's it's all it's all it's all the same thing. Um and so yeah, it's been something on my heart lately and something about, you know, when when prop eight happened, especially on such a exciting night, you know, Obama getting elected and uh and then Prop eight and I'm like, damn, you know.
0: It was so close to Yeah, yeah. Yeah.
1: But anyway, I think a lot of us felt that. Yeah. That I ma- I imagine yeah. especially, you know, living out here, Yeah, in, because I, I I know just in in Colorado it was heart, heartbreaking. Definitely. Yeah.
0: yeah. And now they have gay
1: gay marriage in Iowa. I know. And you know, <laughs> um a couple a couple weeks after that happened, I got to perform there in Iowa. Yeah, and I, it was really exciting because I was like, this is great. And who knew Iowa? Who exactly. knew? Iowa was, was this radical place
0: <laughs>
1: all that corn and, just and, and all those radical
0: people corn you know yeah it just shows it can happen anywhere right yeah yeah. It, yeah it's really exciting so do you have any other um stories like that one about how your poems have been received
1: you know I get lots of interesting responses the the feedback that I'm most affected by is I get a lot of emails from soldiers or or returning soldiers and veterans, um, because I speak, I speak a lot about on that subject, and, uh, that's the stuff that moves me, actually, um, the most, and, um, that I'm most affected by, yeah.
0: So, um, appreciative email? Yeah, yeah.
1: Yeah. I haven't actually, I haven't gotten, I, maybe a, a few emails that weren't, incredibly positive but most of the feedback that I've gotten from soldiers and I actually have a lot of soldiers come to my shows it was interesting I just did three shows in LA and and there, I I swear I must have met like 20, 20 soldiers that, that ended up coming to my show and um, people that were you know flying out in a week um, at, for war wow. and people that were headed to boot camp um, the next day actually and people that have been in the army for years and it's it's always uh kind of trying on my heart, talking to them. And also, there's such an education in it. You know, things are so, there's so much gray area. And I think that we tend to see things really black and white. And, you know, I've had, I, I, I've seen um, peace activists, like, yelling at soldiers in uniforms. And that stuff is, it just feels crappy to me. And it feels uh, so in opposition to what
0: we should be doing. I, I never would have thought that that would have been your audience but now that you say it it makes sense
1: you know it's 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 not typically the majority of uh-huh. my audience i mean but but lately on this tour i've i've met a lot of soldiers
0: so yeah that's that's been great do you think it's because of the new material you've been doing or
1: I think that I've been talking about it for a while now, for a few years. I mean, um, I have a new uh, Yellow Bird is the most recent CD, but I was talking about it a lot on the last album as
0: well, which I think came out in two thousand six. So it's been a while that I've been talking about it. Yeah. Speaking of Yellow Bird, I I read on your website. I think it was that you were challenged to um, write the poems you were afraid of writing. Yeah. Can you say more about that? Yeah, I had uh, a friend actually ask me. Uh,
1: challenged me to start, start writing the things that I had been afraid to write. And I started really looking at what that was, the ways that I was unwilling to expose myself. And I think that, you know, it's interesting, because I think that I've always got a reception that I'm like being very vulnerable on stage and, and, and maybe saying stuff that makes people uncomfortable a lot. But, you know, I think particularly touring with the last tour that I was Touring with and and those people had been in my life prior to that, like uh, Sonia Renee and Denise Jolly and Tara Hardy, um, and and they specifically were people challenging me to do that um, before Yellowbird even came out, uh-huh. because they tell truths in in their poetry that unlike I I have ever heard before, you know pe- stuff that makes people squirm in their seats, they're right? Like, you know I don't right. want to hear this, <laughs> um, and it's like tough shit. And yet shit. I do want to hear
0: it <laughs> <laughs> at the yeah. same
1: time. You do want to hear it because it's familiar. And it's the stuff yeah. that you're not, ne- you know, you're you've known in your chest like your whole life but you're just you you don't want anybody to say that out
0: loud that's the that's the power we we were talking about earlier and we were talking about being dared to write the truth and the things that are hard to say and um do you feel like you do that more in your latest work than you ever have i feel like i do in the cd i feel like there's a
1: lot um about the cd that is quiet in a way it's a it's a quieter cd and um to me it feels a more honest to me than, than stuff that I've done in the past. And there are some things that, you know, I feel like I'm exposing myself with um, and uh, things I'm nervous to say out loud. But there's also, you know, there's also a lot of, um, I think there's a lot of joy in the CD too, particularly with Yellowbird, which is um, the title track of the right. CD. And, um, and that, that was kind of the fire behind the album, I guess.
0: Talk a little bit about your title, title poem, Yellowbird. Yeah, um, so
1: basically, it's kind of a celebration of art and the the importance of art in uh, this culture. I collaborated with so many musicians on it, and I really put the time into um, making sure the the music was right for the poem, and that we were we were all working together well on it. and um, And I was really excited about the way that that it came out, specifically with the poem um, "Yellow Bird," where I have a friend playing uh, violin and another another friend playing piano, and um, I was just really excited about the way it came out. Yeah. My Uncle Billy is the leading Little Debbie Snack Cake salesman in all of North America. From Miami, Florida to Vancouver, British Columbia, nobody sells more fudge round Swiss rolls or nutty bars than him. My family is incredibly proud of this fact. We tell it to strangers, to the respective husbands of our nieces, to the clerk at the drugstore. We whisper it in church. Did you hear about Billy? Yeah, he's the leading Little Debbie snack cake salesman in all of North America. And I will never write a poem that will ever come close to matching the grandeur of that. So you won the Nobel Prize, did you? That's nice. Did you hear Billy put 500 cream pies on the rack of the shop and save? And in five days, that rack was frickin' empty. Why? Is art the first class to be dropped by any public school? Why are music rooms empty in junior highs from New York City to Nashville, Tennessee? How can you burn? CD after CD after CD will fill in your tank with an infinite amount of gas, like the war is worth funding. But music isn't. Our culture is a prison, and the only one with a key is little Emmy Jones, covering every inch of her standardized test with the best number-two-pencil version of a starry night anyone has ever seen. And yes, there is a hummingbird in her chest. Its wings are beating 80 times. a second, but the second you and I will see that Dr. King did not write a speech called I Have a Dream. He wrote a poem called I Have a Dream. Y'all, I don't know if God will ever have a purple heart, but I know we have a bow we could pull above the strings of a combat boot and make it sing like the eyes of a seven-year-old boy staring down the barrel of apartheid's loaded guns, screaming for the right to write stories, to sing songs in his mother's tongue. Point me in the direction of glory. I will run towards a tiny hand in the most wounded corner of Palestine dipping a brush into a can of yellow paint to paint a feather on a wing on a wall that is so tall only yellow birds can escape but when they do they carry the hearts of children on their backs and when their wings flap they make the sound of anthems being replaced with sky and I swear I could see their shadows pass across your glowing face the night you said you have never given birth to a child but you tear every single time you write a poem. We are growing our future with every borrowed pen. I pray tonight we will write a rain that will fall like the tears at Folsom Prison, the day Johnny Cash smashed his guitar over Apathy's head, the way Frida Kahlo, in the prison of her own body, had whole years when she could paint nothing but red, but she painted through the bars in the locked cells of her pores, the same way saxophones in New Orleans played music underwater, knowing some of those notes would rise up to the air carrying people and hope to shore. I don't believe in the godliness of steeples but I believe in the stained glass and every key on every organ that is desperate for light cause we are desperate for life for the sight of a captivated audience refusing to be held captive in the thought that they can only listen and watch. Picasso said he'd paint with his own wet tongue on the dusty floor of a jail cell if he had to We have to create. It is the only thing louder than destruction. It is the only chance the bars are gonna break. Our hands full of color, reaching towards the sky. A brushstroke in the dark. It is not too late. That starry night, it is not yet dry.
0: My guest has been Andrea Gibson. You've been listening to the Mad River Anthology. The engineer was Emily Craven, and I'm your host, Lorena Boswell. If you have any questions or comments about this program, please call our listener comment line at 826 On our blog, an online archive of past programs can be found at madriveranthology.wordpress.com. The show is also available in iTunes. The Mad River Anthology airs the second and fourth Sundays of the month at 10 p.m. and is produced for KHSU, located at Humboldt State University in Arcata, California.